The cool thing about self-compassion is not only does it feel better, it's actually more constructive. It actually works better to get you to your goal. Not only do you feel better, but it works better. Somehow we think it's going to work better to like beat ourselves to our goal, and it just doesn't. Hey there, welcome to Tater Talks, two bitches talk fitness. I'm Brooke. And hello, I'm Iris. On this show, we challenge the common understanding of what it means and what it takes to be fit and healthy. We explore all things fitness, nutrition, mindset, and mental health without the fluff and BS. So grab a coffee, get ready to laugh, cry, even learn a thing or two. Let's get into it. Welcome back, everyone. Super excited for today's conversation because we have on the line with us the illustrious Kim Schlag. Kim, I don't know if you know this, but you were actually the first person I found on Instagram who really started shifting my mindset about nutrition and exercise and leaving all the yo-yoing and fad dieting behind. I found you before I found Jordan and see, I found them through you. I did not know that. I did not know that at all. No. <laughs> So thank you, three, four years later. Why don't we start off with, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you come to be where you are today? You know, it's interesting. Whenever I tell people this story, they're always really shocked because so many fitness coaches, you know, they, they were former athletes. They just always love to work out. And that's not, that is not my story, ladies. I could not be further from that. Um, I was never, <laughs> you know, even as far back as like high school and stuff, I always felt like, completely inept at sports and I would try and like just wasn't good at it and was not overweight as a child or as a teenager. But I grew up in the 1980s. It's like the dawn of the supermodel. And I was really into fashion. And so I would comb through these magazines and I had this like running dialogue in my head like, I don't look like that. I don't look like that. Why don't I look like that? Right. And so I started as a teenager always trying to lose weight. Like I, I just felt the pressure to like look different. And so that's where it started for me is trying to lose weight as a teenager. By the time I was in my 20s, I was perpetually trying to lose five pounds. And when I look back, I didn't need to lose weight. The look I wanted was actually on the other side of lifting some heavy weights, but I had no idea. I had no idea that's what what would actually have gotten me those results. Fast forward from my 20s till when I'm 30 and I start ha having babies. I had three babies. With every child, I gained 50 pounds and never fully lost that 50 pounds before having another baby, which then by the time I'm 38, like I was struggling with obesity and had zero more information about how to lose weight than I did when I was 18. And I just spun my wheels and I was frustrated and I would like read women's magazines and, you know, they would have some diet doctor in there and I would try the thing and the thing never worked or the thing would work for me to lose a little bit of weight, but then I'd gain that weight back and more weight plus. And I did this for years. Name a diet. I definitely did it. And I kept getting heavier and heavier. Eventually, I lost quite a bit of weight with Nutrisystem. But even then, I put it mostly by the time I was 40, I was looking good. By the time I was 43, I was up another 25 pounds, 42. I really randomly had an experience where this young boy moved into our house. I was his ride to the gym. It was I was literally in charge of keeping this 19 year old out of trouble. <laughs> And that was my job. <laughs> my husband was at work. Like my kids are at school. And I'm like, this kid, what is, where should I, what should I do with him? Well, he liked to do bodybuilding. And so I took him to the gym. He taught me how to lift. He taught me how to eat. And when I say that, like he literally introduced me to the idea of like 
hey, if you snack all night long, that's probably your problem. And that had never dawned on me because literally, ladies, I thought the problem that it was like I was missing some kind of superfood. I was missing like some kind of pairing. of Like I thought it was really complicated. That one magical thing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's what all the articles said. And I just knew I hadn't found the thing. Well, the thing was I was eating too much crap. I was not eating enough good stuff. I was just overall eating too much food. And in this really short period of time, I understood what a calorie was. I got those under control. I started lifting some heavy weight and I completely shifted my mindset and my body and I lost the weight. And that's how that's how I like got into shape. And from that moment on, I got all these questions because so many women watched me do this at the gym. I was doing this at this public gym and people kept coming up and they're like, what happened? Like, what did you do? Like, how did you do that? And they would ask me questions about like how to lift weights. And the more people I help, the more people are like, you should do this as a job. Well, I was a stay at home mom. And so I was just like, I wasn't really looking for a job, but I'm like, okay, like maybe, maybe I will. So I got certified as a personal trainer. I got certified in nutrition and honest to goodness, I just fell into this whole social media thing. Like I just started posting stuff to be helpful. And I had some clients and it just kept getting bigger and bigger. And before I knew it, all of these women could see themselves in me. They're like, yeah, me too. I did that. I did all those diets and and I'm in my 40s. How can I do it? And that's that's how I got here, guys. It was a big old accident. That's amazing. That's awesome. I love it. So in your 40s was when you had that big old 180. Yeah. Yeah. I was 42, 43 when I really got it together with my nutrition and my training. And I'm 52 now. I'm I'm 52 years old. I've been at this personally for 10 years. That's awesome. That is amazing. I love your story because you're right. Like a lot of coaches, they start out as athletes. And mine was, I began because I was a mom and I wanted to be a healthy mom, but I hated to move for the longest mm -hmm. time. I really did not like exercising, tried every diet, very similar. And when people find out like, oh, you didn't play sports. Yeah. You didn't. How did you get into this? So it's your story. It, it resonates. It hits home. That's amazing. So one of the things that really resonated with me when I found your account was something you said, which was fitness meets you where you are, mm. which that was like the biggest eye opener for me because I was afraid to go to the gym. All I had done really for actual structured exercise was like at home videos, which now looking back are like, oh my gosh, my poor lower back. I'm so sorry. I didn't know. <sighs> but I was weak. I felt weak. I didn't know anything. I didn't know what to do. Speak about that for a minute. Like, what does that phrase mean? So the idea is so many of us think like, we'll look at other people doing things in the fitness area, whether it's like running a 5k or just, you know, looking good in their jeans or whatever it is. And somehow like we think that that's not for us, like that they are, they're a different type of person. Right. And when in reality, you can start wherever you are. Your program doesn't have to be the same as the person who, look, if you've never run before and you want to run, your program shouldn't be the same as somebody who's already running, you know, marathons. That's silly. Right. And that kind of clicks with us. But even with our nutrition, if you're trying to get your nutrition in order to lose a little bit of weight, you shouldn't be following the bodybuilders diet, right? Like I've tried, I tried that. 
it's not the same thing. And that doesn't click for us because we feel like, oh, that's the way. Like they look like that because they eat like that. So I should look like that. When we know very well, we wouldn't all of a sudden start training like we're, you know, playing for the NBA. Like that wouldn't make any sense. But we do that with our nutrition. So where you are with your fitness, you can just make small changes that feel like a stretch to you. That might not be a stretch to somebody else. And that can really be the thing that drives you forward. And then you can make take something that's going to be a stretch from there, which maybe was not reasonable two months before. Maybe that was way out of your league. And the more you keep making these things that stretch you a little bit more, stretch you a little bit more, you become a different version of yourself. You don't have to become that version of somebody else in order to get fit. You can be fit right where you are. Yeah, I love that. So talk to us about stretching ourselves a little bit, stepping outside our comfort zones. Yeah. So, you know, and that can be a lot of different things for people. For me, I was really nervous the first time I lifted in that gym with with this young boy. I had been at the gym, but when I would go to the gym, I just went right to the cardio machines, which isn't a problem when you're starting, right? If that's like just moving, great. But if you have a goal to look fit, to have some toned arms, to get strong, to age better, like you're going to need to lift some weights. And that can feel really intimidating. And I remember the day he invited me to lift with him, I was just like, Okay. Okay. I'll do that. And then we actually did it the next day. And I walked in and I walked up to this part of the gym. Like it was just where all the big weights were. And all these men were walking around with these like gallon jugs filled with like blue liquid. I was like, I don't don't know where I was supposed to get that, but I'll have that. And I freeze. Yeah. And I was just so like, I just like, luckily I had somebody standing right next to me telling me like, pick that up, do it like this. No, not like that. He wasn't super like He wasn't like nice and kind and easy. He was like, you're doing that wrong. Do it like this. Right. But I just tried to do what he did and like not feel too dumb. It can be really intimidating. And so that was a huge stretch for me. And you don't have to make that big jump. And if you don't have somebody by your side, you don't have to. But you know what you could do? You could go watch a forum tutorial about like how to do a goblet squat and you could do it in your living room. And then when you feel comfortable with how to do that goblet squat, you could pick up some weight. You could literally go to the gym and walk on a treadmill because like we all know how to walk, right? You do that, look around the gym and see like, okay, if I wanted to pick up a weight and do that goblet squat that I was practicing at home, where are those weights? Oh, they're over there. When I'm done this, I'm going to go pick up a weight and I'm going to do one set of it. Like I'll go pick up that weight and I'll do it eight times or 10 times. When you've done it, like you just lifted weights, lady. You just did it. That can be your first step. Then the next time you go, maybe you could do that three times, like do a set rest, do a set rest that you can take these small steps. It can build that confidence. Then maybe you're going to have the confidence to be like, you know what? I'm actually going to, I'm going to hire a personal trainer for a couple of sessions. I can do that because a lot of women, like they don't even want to do that because it just feels so outside of who they are. And it just feels like that's not for them. And so maybe then you can hire a trainer and have them teach you a little bit, or maybe you don't have the money for that. So then maybe you go go back and watch videos about another exercise. You're like, okay, what's what's this upper body exercise? I'll try that. Do it in the comfort of your home. Before you know it, a month, two months down the road, you're at the gym doing a full training program. Progressive overload in a sense, right? Absolutely. It doesn't have to be scary. And same thing with nutrition. You know, pick one thing, work on that, add another thing, work on that decide, you know, like, look, ladies, I didn't eat vegetables. I didn't eat vegetables until I was 43. I literally hated them. And my friend who had me at the gym, he was when he was telling me how I should eat. And he's like, you know, you need to eat more of it meat. And I'm like, all right, like, I like meat. He's like, you need to eat vegetables. And I was just like, oh, yeah, I don't really like this. He's like, I don't care. He's like, <laughs> he's like, you need to find a way to eat them. And I was like, okay, I need to find. 
I need to find a way. Like, what's the way? And so what I literally did was think of like what seemed like the least upsetting to me. And I liked cream spinach over the years as a child. Like if I poured a ton of cream on it, like I could eat it. So I'm like, I'll start with spinach. And so I just ate a little bit of spinach. And then I thought about like, well, how do I like what flavors do I like? And I was like, okay, I like onion and garlic. So then I started like putting my spinach in a pan with onion and garlic. And I was like, well, what else could I put with onion and garlic? Like, oh, these zucchini noodles. If I put the garlic on the zucchini noodles and put them on my George Foreman grill and like go like shut it down for a minute, like, wow, that tastes that tastes okay. Like I can do that. Not that I loved it. And now it's 10 years later. There are very few vegetables I won't eat. I still I won't eat green beans and I won't eat peas because I think they're gross. But you don't need to eat every vegetable. Right. And so it all started from me just making the decision, like, I'm going to learn to be a person who likes vegetables and that's going to be me. What's the first thing I can do? And I wasn't that person, but I could see in the future that I could be that version of me. And the question is, what's the next step I could take to be that version? How can I practice being a person who eats vegetables? I could eat literally like three leaves of spinach today. That's my practice. And then I could begin to identify as a person who eats vegetables. And I just did that over and over and over again. And now I'm literally that person. I could go into my kitchen right now and make a giant bowl of salad and actually enjoy it. I love that because I know a lot of people, and I mean, my journey, if you will, was delayed by a couple of years because I thought that I had to like go whole hog into everything right out the gate instead of like practicing being this version of me, adding little things over time without necessarily even completely uprooting everything about my life, right? Yeah. There's a lot of things that I, you know, I don't know. I don't like edamame. <laughs> so I don't eat it. <laughs> right. But there's like a million other vegetables that I either tolerate or love. Mm -hmm. That is huge for people to know that they can do that. You know, we've been somehow we've been conditioned in some ways to think we have to just do everything all the time, perfectly always. And that's just it's not how life works. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think a part of it is we're always rushing to get to the end result, right? So we're like, what's going to get me there mm -hmm. fastest? And so we jump in to do the 10 different things that feel like really hard because we want the result. But so often it's too much. And so we don't really get that much. We don't get that far down the road. We don't get that far down the road. And so it always seems elusive. It always seems out of reach. Whereas if we do things, and I'm not saying that every single person out there should only do one small habit change. It's a possibility. And it's a really good possibility for a lot of people. Some people are ready for a little bit more. So you do what you can. And in either case, I think the idea of looking at all that you're doing as practice is a real game changer. So that when you wake up today and you're like, okay, like I'm going to eat more protein, you can think of it as like, I'm going to practice eating more protein, which means if I don't actually hit my protein goal, I haven't messed it up. I can then at the end of the day, like use that information and be like, okay, well, like what went well today? Well, like when I had my lunch packed, I ate the protein. Okay. What didn't go well is, well, you know, at breakfast, I didn't, I didn't really put much protein. So like I could probably spend more time thinking about breakfast for tomorrow. And then you do that. Right. And so if you look at it as practice, not every day is pass fail. Every day is a practice. It feels a lot less demoralizing when you get to the end of the day and you haven't done the thing. It's a really great moment, especially when you do that reflection to see like what went well, what didn't go well, how can I improve that tomorrow? And then the next day you're like, okay, like, yeah, it was breakfast it was a real spot of like, I needed to improve that. So I'm going to look into like what breakfast foods are higher protein. That's what I'm going to do today. And then you do that and you're like, oh, lunch went well yesterday. I'm going to repeat that. So you repeat the things that went well, you work on changing things that don't, and you look at every single day as a chance to practice it. And before you know it, like you've gotten good because you've practiced it. Yeah. 
We talk about kind of treating ourselves as a little bit of a science experiment. Yeah. You know, see what works, see what doesn't, see what you like, see what you don't, tweak it, have fun with it. Yeah. And I like that. I like the idea of looking at ourselves as scientists because scientists aren't like super emotional about their data, right? Like mm-hmm. <laughs> like you can kind of remove that judgment. And so when we can do that, um, it can be really helpful so that we're not being all judgy about ourselves and emotional about how well we did or did not do that day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most definitely. Stating the facts of what you did instead of basing everything on an emotional reaction. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I love that idea. Stating the facts, looking at the facts, not being so judgmental about those facts. Yeah. Yeah. We talk a lot about basic respect for ourselves. Mm. It's something people definitely struggle with. Like we say things to ourselves all the time that we would never in a million years say to anybody we don't even like, you know, (laughs) it's just we we just wouldn't. But we treat ourselves like a pass fail all the time. So true. Yeah, we call that um, in the groups that I run, I call that our mean girl voice. And I talk about Mm -hmm. shutting up our mean girl voice. And we're often really aware of that voice, but we don't do anything to talk back to it. We don't do anything to like, be like, is that really true? Is what I just thought, is that an actual fact? And so often it's not. And so I think not just noticing the mean girl voice, but pushing back against the things that she says inside your head. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I like that mean girl voice analogy. Like I so love that because oftentimes we speak to ourselves the way we would never speak to anybody else. Yeah. So stop being mean to yourself, be objective and follow a strategy to get you right back on track if needed. Yeah, because we wouldn't talk, you know, you're a mom. uh, We were just talking about that, Brooke. Like, could you imagine saying to your kid like, oh yeah, you totally screwed that up today. you're not there's no coming back from this like you're not oh well I guess that's over pick a new goal because you can never fix that like you will in what world would we say that to our child like we just wouldn't but how often do we think that to ourselves like oh I'm such a screw up I did it all wrong like I'm never gonna I'm never gonna be able to come back from this I'm never gonna be able to fix it like right we we do this all the time all day long we let these thoughts slip in about how how much we've screwed up And realistically speaking, we would never say that out loud because one, we know it wouldn't be helpful. Like, how would that help anybody? It wouldn't. And two, it's just not kind and we're kind to other people. And so really working on thinking like, is this kind to myself and is this helpful to myself can really help. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And self-compassion. I know Iris and I, we had a whole episode on self-compassion and it's being compassionate when you do feel like you went off track or you had a bad day. Like, it's all about making sure that we can be objective, make sure that we're, you know, not using our mean girl voice, but also being compassionate with ourselves when you feel like you fucked up. Mm-hmm. The cool thing about self-compassion is not only does it feel better, it's actually more constructive. It actually works better to get you to your goal. Not only do you feel better, but it works better. Somehow we think it's going to work better to like beat ourselves to our goal. And it just doesn't. It doesn't work as well. I was just thinking about that earlier today. Why? Why do you think people think that works? I don't know, because like we know, like as bosses, as parents, just as people in society, like that's not how you get things done. Right. It's not. I don't know why we think that, but it just it's overwhelmingly the default I see women go to. And I say women because I work with women. I'm sure you know men do it, too, that we tend to beat ourselves up and we think that's going to get us closer. But it doesn't. You know, it's kind of like we're like that drill sergeant in our own brain. And that's. That's not the way, you know, that's not our style in any other area of our life because we know it doesn't really work that well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
That's so true. A lot of people will be very militant with themselves when they really need to be compassionate. You know, when you can have that compassion for yourself, that's when the game changes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For sure. For sure. Yeah. It's a lot easier to see yourself as an experiment when you practice that compassion too. Yes. Because it's just like, okay, this happened. Now what? Instead of, okay, this happened. You're a fuck up. You're a failure. Now you got to start over Monday. Yeah. I think the more that we can look at ourselves in our fitness pursuits, asking the question like, okay, like what can I learn from that? Like what went well, what didn't go well? How can I use that information tomorrow? The better we're going to feel and the better results we're going to get. Most definitely. So Kim, you work, and correct me if I'm wrong, you work primarily with 40-ish year olds on up, right? Yeah, yeah. I work typically with women who are in perimenopause or in menopause and beyond. And it's another one of those accidental things. I didn't set out to be like, hey, I'm like the menopause fitness coach. But the way it happened was I was deep in perimenopause when I was really starting to share on Instagram my story. And so I would like talk of my stories about like, this is crazy. This stuff happening to me. I've got these like electric zapping sensations in my head and like, I've got these hot, like I would just be talking and people would be like, whoa, me too. And so I started like making connections in the menopause world with people who really knew what they were talking about and like having them on my podcast and like all these doctors. And like, I just started making connections and then I started connecting my audience to those people. I am not a menopause expert. I do consider myself, you know, an expert in menopause fitness, but as far as like the whole menopause space, I feel like I'm a connector to those people, to the good information. I know where to send people. And I just talked about it a lot. And the more I talked about it, the more I drew those clients to me. And before I knew it, my entire client roster was like 90% perimenopausal and menopausal women. And I was like, first of all, I really relate to the experience they're going through. Second of all, it's just really cool from the perspective of, like I said, we're so messed up from our history with diet culture. Mm -hmm. Helping them unravel that is really a great privilege. Like, I like it. I like the fact that I can help these women like who were down in the snack wells in the 90s, like all of these things that we I can help them see like you know what, you can you can eat carbs and you can eat fats and there's no reason to be afraid of these foods. Unraveling that is really, it's really important to me because I just felt so sucked in by all of it. And so it's cool to work with women in those generations for me. That's so empowering. That's so cool. Let's talk about menopause because I think the general assumption for a lot of people is that you hit menopause, you pile on the weight and it can't come off. And that's just kind of how it is. That's the rest of your life sentence. First of all, why is kind of the general trend that women gain weight in the menopause years? So I don't know if we have a definitive answer as to why it happens. We know some of the reasons why it's not happening. And one of the biggest things that research has brought out in the past couple of years is this kind of assumption that we always had that the older you get, like the more you're going to gain weight, that as people age, their metabolism slows that was the big one. Like our metabolism slows as we age. And gosh, was a year ago, this past August, there was some really powerful research that came out that showed our metabolism does not slow at all until after age 60. And then it only starts to decline a very small amount. And it's not till you're much older that there's this more significant decrease in our metabolism. Ladies, that's really powerful information for a lot of women in menopause. They're like, well, it's it's in menopause. It's my age. My metabolism has slowed. Therefore, I'm struggling to lose weight. And we know that that's not it. And that is 
really good news. We definitely see that women as they're entering perimenopause and their estrogen is declining, that they do tend to shift where they store their fat. Like this is something we know. We tend to store our fat more in our stomach regions. Even if you're not gaining more weight, if you have excess weight, you'll tend to store it there in your midsection. So it feels like what the heck has happened to my body, right? There's been this big shift. And so we know that that is a piece of the puzzle. A big piece of it is also we're just not feeling that great. So we're moving less. We're less likely to go out and prepare these amazing meals because we're tired. We've been up all night with hot flashes. We generally feel unwell. All of a sudden, like, where did these allergies come from? You never had allergies a day in your life, and now you have allergies, right? You've got headaches. You're feeling muscle aches and joint pain. You're like, what the heck has happened to my life? Like a lot of women struggle with depression and increased anxiety. All of that cluster of symptoms does not exactly lend itself without preparation and thought to, you know, eating well and exercising. And so all of those are pieces of the puzzle. It's really important for women to realize being in menopause is not a sentence that you're going to be overweight or perpetually gain weight. It is there's nothing like my hormones have flipped some big switch and now I cannot lose weight. That is just not the case. Like I work with women in menopause, they lose weight all the dang time. A huge piece of the puzzle here is managing your menopause symptoms coming up with a plan to manage those things. And for some people, that's going to be connecting with your doctor to get on menopause hormone therapy. And for some people, that's not going to be a piece of the puzzle, but they're going to want to really more think about structuring their life in a certain way so that they can get rest more. Maybe for some people, it's delegating things that they've typically done around the house to other people. There's a lot of things that we can do, but the idea is we help you overcome these hurdles through a combination of you working with your medical team, I'm working with your some for some people. The the answer is, you know, they need some coaching and some therapy around time management or to work with their depression and those kinds of things. So we have to look. It's this really holistic kind of approach you need to take to this. But knowing there is nothing biologically that is preventing a woman from losing weight at this stage of the game is really key. Because when here's the deal, weight loss is friggin hard. It's hard. <laughs> and so when you have the default of it's probably because there's something actually wrong with me you can make that make sense. Like I'm not losing weight because I can't because I'm in menopause because it might feel like that. In reality, the situation is it's just hard to lose weight and you've got these 10 other things you need to deal with. And so helping to really come from a baseline of I'm fine, I can lose weight. Now let me get this stuff in order and then I can start working on it. Not even start working on it. I can work on it alongside. You can do those things together. Yeah, you can actively work on it. Absolutely. Look, I lost a bunch of weight when I was deep in my hot flashes. Like I wasn't, I didn't realize what was happening. I, I, in, in hindsight, I should have been like, Hey Kim, maybe this isn't a great time for a fat loss phase, but I didn't, I didn't get it still at this point. But you know, I was having hot flashes 10 to 15, 12 times a night. Wow. Like they were waking me up. And when I say like having a hot flash, I don't mean just like, Oh, I'm a little bit hot. Like it would wake me up. I have, would have soaked through my clothing completely. Like I'd be soaking wet. My sheets would be wet. And so I'd have to get out of bed, change my clothes, get a towel to lay down on the, on the sheet and get back in bed and try and fall back to sleep. And that was happening a dozen times a night, ladies. Like I wasn't sleeping. And this went on for three months before wow. I finally was like, I should probably, I should probably see a doctor, mm -hmm. right? And, and during that time, I still lost weight, which is pretty incredible. And I'm not suggesting like, hey, that's a great time to lose weight. <laughs> but my point is menopause itself was not keeping me from losing weight. Mm -hmm. I'm sure like, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm sure it can be harder, but it's not impossible. It's absolutely harder. 
And when I say it's harder, it's not because there's something physically keeping you from losing the weight, but that whole host of symptoms, you've got Mm -hmm. to figure out how do I navigate that? Because some people like they're not struggling with hot flashes, but they're just really low on energy. Okay. How Mm -hmm. do we set your life up to help you so that on days when you're especially low on energy, you still move your body enough? How do we help you so that on days when you're really low on energy, you can still eat healthy food with vegetables and protein and not default to constantly, you know, ordering pizza and McDonald's, right? So like, how do we help you set your life up so that on low energy moments, you can have self-compassion, but you can still reach your goals. That's a big piece of the puzzle for a lot of women. Yeah, that's huge. Again, that's hugely empowering. I think one of the, for me, one of the most frustrating things about all of the diet nonsense is that people end up thinking they are broken that there's something wrong with them. Yeah. And that like, it's impossible because it's just me. Like my, I just can't do it. My body just doesn't, you know? And like you said, weight loss is never easy. A calorie deficit is not fun, no matter what. And menopause makes it harder. But as you said, as you've demonstrated, as you see every day, it's not impossible. Yeah, it's definitely not. We so we have this like running tape in our head and we don't even necessarily acknowledge it of all the reasons that we're broken and can't lose weight. Right. It's our body type. It's, you know, we're big boned. Uh, It's uh, our hormones. It's menopause. It's our metabolism. Right. We have this whole list of reasons that is probably the reason that we're not able to be fit and lose weight and look the way we want to look. And in reality, so much of that is BS. Right. Yeah. Sure, there are some actual hormonal issues that people have. And in that case, you should be meeting with your doctor. There's nothing a coach should be working with you about that. That should be with the doctor. And the doctor can help you like medicate you to help so that you are at a level playing field as far as weight loss is concerned. Mm -hmm. You know, we just have so many. And the reason we have these is not like we're making them up. It's because we've been told this in magazines and books and by influences and stuff for so long. And that's usually either a combination of those people don't know what they're talking about or they just want your money. It's one or the other or both. Yeah. 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 I was going to say something and I forgot. (laughs) That's okay. My brain is like that today too. I'm like, huh? (laughs) Not enough carbs today. Yeah. (laughs) Well, let's talk about carbs because I'm guessing, Kim, this is one of the things that a lot of the women you work with are afraid of. Oh, yeah. They've been off limits so long. They think that's the culprit. Speaking of things that we think we can pinpoint as the thing. Yeah. Carbohydrates are something that have been demonized in so many ways. And for sure, a person can lose weight on a low carb diet. No problem. If you enjoy eating a low carb diet, you can lose weight doing that. Uh, It's important to know you don't have to eat low carb. You can. And for most people, they want to eat carbs, like good foods. Like there are so many delicious foods that have carbs, but women feel like they can't eat bread. They can't eat pasta. They're, they've been convinced that these things are not in line with losing weight, that they need to cut these carbs to lose weight. In reality, the research does not show that. The research shows that you can lose weight equally as well, eating a higher carb or a lower carb diet, a higher fat or a lower fat diet, as long as total calories and protein are in check. Okay, this is what this is not me making this up. This isn't even me just saying this is something I've observed, though I have observed it. This is what the science is telling us. So if you do not want to eat low carb, you can have carbs. And if that makes you nervous, the best thing I can tell you to do, ladies, is to try it and see what happens. Right. And you don't have to like go like having spaghetti every day, but try adding some carbs into your diet 
and see one, how you feel. I bet you're going to have some more energy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and two, stay in your deficit and see, does it happen? Like experiment in your own life and see if I stay in a calorie deficit, if I eat enough protein and I have some carbs on top of that, you know, like I have some pasta, I have some rice, I have some beans, I have these things, like, am I able to lose weight? And really like flipping that switch by experience is such a game changer for so many people. Like I love hearing women be like, I just can't believe it. Like I can actually eat bread again and not feel guilty and not feel worried. And I'm so happy for them because bread is amazing. Oh, yes, bread is, is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Never going back to the breadless life. <laughs> My goodness. So one of the things I've I've heard you say in terms of getting more protein on the plate is to make the protein the star of the dish. And one of the examples that actually stuck with me was spaghetti and meatballs. So instead of mixing it all together, make the meatballs the star of the dish and have spaghetti on the side. And I think that would be a great idea for somebody who's maybe a little apprehensive about having the spaghetti. You know, you don't have to eat all of it. And you can eat them together. Like you don't have to like eat right. them separately. But when you're putting it on your plate, like when we think spaghetti and meatballs, like the typical picture is like pile of spaghetti, mm-hmm. one or two meatballs on the top, right? Like that's kind of what yeah. we picture with the sauce, right? But if you're looking to lose weight and you're going to want to eat in deficit, having that big pile of spaghetti is going to be hard to manage your total calories. It's not the carbs, it's the total calories. And so the idea of, okay, let's think of spaghetti and meatballs more as meatballs and spaghetti. So, you know, have three giant meatballs and a smaller serving of the pasta. Eat that, you're going to feel more satisfied. You're going to be able to better able to keep your calories in check, and you're going to be able to hit your protein goal. You're still getting spaghettis and meatball. You've just switched the ratio of the components of that meal. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's actually a strategy I've... I That's what we do now. That's yeah. like, we still have spaghetti and meatballs and still have them both. We just adjust the ratio so it fits our goals. Ah, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Yeah. Let's talk about strength training for the 40 and over, because that is huge. And it's also something I've been thinking a lot as I see people around me aging and, you know, just going to come out and say it, they're getting weaker. Mm -hmm. They are not aging strong, which Mm -hmm. is frightening and sad. Yeah. So can you speak about that a little bit? Because I know my mom works in elder care and the things that she's hired for are like pulling things to them, like lifting things, like putting dishes away, like getting groceries off the floor, stuff like that, where if you don't have some basis of strength, it makes life real tough. Absolutely. Like everything you just described, like I am dead set in my mind. That is not going to be me. Like I actively yeah, work me too. <laughs> that by the time I'm 80 and 90, I'm beginning my own groceries from off the floor, pulling my own whatever towards me. Right. I, I actively work to do this. And ladies, we can do that. Strength training is like the magic pill for this. If you want to age better, if you want to be independent in your 80s, 70s, 80s and 90s, Strength training is one of the main tools that is going to help you do that. Adding muscle to your frame is so key. Improving your bone density, which strength training can do, is so key to helping you not being the frail woman who's going to like bust her hip. This is really important stuff. And so using strength training, not just to look better, which by the way, as you're doing this to like age better, you also end up looking better. Like it works together. But so many of us just have this aesthetic piece in our mind. But really think about like how, what quality of life do I want to have? How long do I want to live? We are losing muscle. 
every decade after age 30, we lose three to six percent of our, our muscle mass per decade if we're not actively doing something about that. And the two some things you can be doing are eating enough protein and strength training. And so that's what you focus on. And when you do that, you not only look better, you're going to be the woman who can get on and off the toilet by herself when she's 80. Like, that's important to me. You can get in and out of bed. You can like bend down on the ground to pick something up and get back up again, right? Without needing somebody to come over and help you. This is good for our our independence. It's good for our safety. It's good for our longevity, And so really working to get strong now by strength training is just, it's okay. Yeah. Where would you suggest, again, going back to the idea that fitness meets you where you are, where do you even start? You know, maybe someone who's done cardio forever, their whole lives, never picked up a weight. Yeah. Where do you even start? So a couple of places, if you have the ability to hire a trainer at the gym for a couple of sessions, I think it's a great place to start. Like have them show you around, ask them. And if you're like, oh, that seems like a big investment, you don't have to hire them even for months. But you could literally go to a trainer and say, like, I want you to show me where everything is. And I'd like you to show me how to do proper form and check my form on how to do a squat, how to do like a dumbbell or kettlebell deadlift, how to do a row, how to do a push up, how to do an overhead press and how to do a lat pull down. Say like, hey, here are these six exercises. Once you know how to do those with really good form and you're feeling confident in that, like there's no other exercise you can't learn how to do from that. And what I would say then is find find somebody online. I have tons and tons of videos on my YouTube, on my Mm -hmm. Instagram that show you exactly like put your body in this position, lift it this way, don't do that. And it takes you piece by piece through the exercises and look there. The other thing I would say, once you're started, is to really get somebody to write a program for you, whether that's an individual program or a group program, because the key here, once you know how, getting started, like just get started. Like we want you to like get some weight, we want you to feel comfortable lifting it. But over time, we want you to progress those lifts. And that means you need to have a plan that you're following versus being really sporadic and just like, today I will grab this person's workout. That looks fun. And tomorrow I'll do this person. Like that does have some value for somebody who's doing nothing. That's still going to be better than nothing. But over time, we want you to be following a strength training program so that you are able to progress those lifts. How can you get stronger at something if you're always doing a different thing, right? And so over time, I'd say definitely getting somebody to write your program either in a group setting or one-to-one, not just winging it all the time. You know, health and fitness is so interesting because we wouldn't like, at least I wouldn't, I would never be like, you know, I need a new roof. I'm going to learn how to do that. I'm going to watch some YouTube videos. I'm going to go put myself a roof on. Like we wouldn't do that. And we wouldn't be like, I feel like I need to learn how to clean my own teeth. Right. And so like, I wouldn't like go buy the tools and watch a YouTube video and clean my own teeth. But when it comes to like our fitness, we're just like, I'll figure that out. Like I'll just throw together a workout plan. Right. (laughs) When in reality, somebody else who knows what the heck they're doing and has actually dedicated years to studying it could easily give us one that's very effective for not that much money, right? Like we wouldn't be like, I'm going to save money by cleaning my own teeth. Like that's absurd. We wouldn't do that, right? (laughs) But we do that with our fitness program. So I would say investing, um, it doesn't even have to be that much money, but investing in a coach who can give you a program that's really well-written. And we know plenty of them. So if you have any questions, find any of us on Instagram and we'll point you in, in the right direction. Yeah. So Kim, this has been great. Thank you so much for talking to us today. Yeah, thank you. Tell everybody where they can find you. Instagram, Fitter After 40, podcast, all the good stuff. 
So Fitter After 40 is my signature program. Doors are getting ready to open here pretty soon. Um, you can find information about that at my website, which is Kim Schlag Fitness. I'll spell my last name, S-C-H-L-A-G. It'll be in the show notes too. Okay, great. So Kim Schlag Fitness is my website. You can find me Kim Schlag Fitness on Instagram. I'm on TikTok. I'm not super active there. I do have a podcast. It's called the Fitness Simplified Podcast. Obviously, whoever's listening likes listening to podcasts. So you can listen to that as well. <laughs> It's a good one. And I got to say, I absolutely love Decades of Strength, too. I know I, oh, I messaged you, you yeah, when that was ending, but there are some episodes I still like go back and listen to every once in a while because it's, oh, it's good. That's my other podcast. It was a group podcast I started years ago with a handful of women and we kind of kept rotating it's kind of like we were like the ladies of the view, like the panel of hosts <laughs> would change. I was the one constant, um, but it changed throughout the years. And it was looking at women across the lifespan. We would have women in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s and above and kind of talking about various health and fitness and lifestyle topics um, from different viewpoints. And I really did enjoy doing that. We did it for a good long time. So, yeah, those episodes are still available to listen to as well. Yeah. Go peruse the archive. There's lots of lots of good gems there. Well, thank you again, Kim. Really appreciate your time. And to everybody else, we'll see you next time. Same time, same place. Have a great day. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to Tater Talks, two bitches talk fitness. If you enjoyed the show, let us know by writing a review, subscribing wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Find me, Iris, on Instagram at Iris Deadlifts. And you can find me, Brooke, on Instagram at Get You a Brooke. We'll talk to you soon. Nice. Nice. <laughs>